1: Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm I'm glad that you chose to spend part of your day with me here. This is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I promise this is going to be a really, really great time. I just want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. A couple years ago, I did a video about why people worry so much about what others think of them. There are several reasons, but let's just talk about one of them really quick. People feel a need to be validated by others. They want to know that they're doing okay in comparison to others, or perhaps they just want to know that others value who they are. It's a perfectly natural thing, but here's what I know. If you were fully centered on who you are, then it should never matter what others think of you. Focus on who you are, the gifts you offer the world, and what you can do to help others from a place of love and serving others. It's a mistake to compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. It never works out very well when you do that I truly believe everyone has value to offer the world focus on that and the special gifts you have And I promise you will not care nearly as much about validation from others You will be so very glad you did with all that in mind. Let's get started I do not have a guest this week. This is gonna be a very special and amazing show a lot of you know that I came out with a book called The Greatest Lessons I Learned From My Dad. It is available on Amazon right now. The official launch is happening this week. And in fact, I just received my copy from Amazon literally 15 minutes ago. And I had to order my author copy on Friday just to make sure it looked good, and it really does. It looks really, really amazing. And today's show will feature myself and a few of my contributors who contributed chapters to this book to talk about their experiences working with me, working with figuring out their stories about how they were influenced by their dad, and how therapeutic this process was for some of them and everything else that goes with it. And I'm probably going to have about six or eight people calling in, maybe more. Who knows? I put the word out there, and I know I already have couple people on hold already. But first of all, I want to share a couple of things of my own. I want to share why I wrote this book in the first place. I will tell you uh, the way this all started. My parents went to Florida last year on their snowbird vacation. They went away from Iowa every winter since they both retired, alternating years, Arizona, where I am, Florida, where my uncle is, which was my dad's brother. And this was their year to go to Fort Myers, Florida last year. About three weeks or so after they arrived, they both got COVID. Mom's symptoms were very mild. Dad's were more serious. He was lethargic. He didn't have really any energy at all. And they decided to self-quarantine for about 10 days. Mom started feeling better. She lost her sense of taste and sense of smell. But dad just wasn't hungry. He was lethargic. He had no energy, nothing. And finally, at the end of that 10 days or so, he said, I should really go to the emergency room and love my dad dearly. It's always, it was always a much better idea when it was his idea. And you know what that's like. <laughs> something always is a, a much better thing when it's somebody else's idea. And so that's something that you might want to write down if, if you haven't ever done that. So dad went to the emergency room. And of course, with the COVID rules, uh, mom was not allowed to go into the ER with dad. And dad said, I'll see you soon. And they kissed goodbye, or maybe they didn't get to kiss goodbye because of the COVID thing, but they parted ways. And that's the last time mom saw him alive, which is really creepy to think about right now. Just really sad. But dad passed after about a couple more weeks. And so the total ordeal lasted about three weeks. And when I found out, of course, it was very difficult. I was calling mom multiple times a day to find out how dad was doing. And the day after dad passed, mom said, I want you to come to Florida. I need you here with me. So I booked a real quick flight, flew out three days later. We spent a week in Florida because we weren't in a hurry to get home yet. We just needed to process. And finally, a couple of days later, we realized we're ready to go home. So at the end of that week, we went home. A friend flew down from Iowa to drive the RV because mom and I both did not drive vehicles that big. And so he came down and uh, drove us home. And then we started planning dad's service. And I was home for about four and a half weeks or so. But I had this idea to write a book about some of the greatest things that I learned from my dad. So this idea has been brewing in my head for probably about six months. I wasn't ready to write the book, until this summer and I introduced to my Authorpreneur Live Facebook group that I want to do this collaborative project and I invited people to join me and I had 28 amazing people raise their hand and say yes we will gladly chip in a, a little bit and they're all going to get a few copies and some of them are going to be here today to share their dad stories. I want to share a couple of my quick stories before I bring a guest on before I bring a contributor on story number one chapter number one is about honoring your commitments And this dates me a little bit, but I remember watching the 1972 Munich Summer Olympics with my dad. And we were watching the weightlifting competition. There was this big, huge Russian guy who was the current world champion and current Olympic champion. And he was lifting so much weight, and it it was just really inspiring. And I said to my dad, I want to do that someday. He said, really? I said, yeah. So he said, okay. We are going to get up at six o'clock tomorrow morning. I go to work at six forty-five, and we're going to start training. What? Well, these people train their entire lives to be in the Olympics. We're going to start now. If you want to be in the Olympics, you know, 16, 20 years from now, you have to start training now. So we're going to get up at six o'clock tomorrow morning and I'm going to put you through a workout. Okay. Six o'clock came really fast. I had never woken up that early in my entire young life up to that point. But We went downstairs, dad had free weights, and he put me through a rigorous 15 or 20 minute workout. And then he said, I have to shower and go to work. Are you ready to do this tomorrow? I don't remember what I said, but I do remember not getting up early the next day. At that young age, I didn't understand what being committed to something was all about. I just thought it sounded like fun, but I love the fact that my dad honored my dream and decided to help me pursue my dream to get me to see how serious I actually was. It turns out I wasn't, but I'm very grateful that dad indulged me just for one day. Another example of honoring your commitment happened when I was looking for work when I was in college. I was offered a chance to work at a Bible camp and I accepted the job. And about a week or two later, I found out some of my friends were going to be going to Washington DC for the summer. Now the culture difference between Iowa and Washington DC was pretty significant, but we wanted to go. And work and spend the summer. Well, when I told my parents, I'm going to Washington, D.C. and said, uh, instead, dad said, no, you're not. You made a commitment to the Bible college and they've made their staffing decisions based on you saying yes. And you're not going to back out of that. You are going to work there instead. Now, the footnote is I got to work in Washington, D.C. for the following three summers after that, had a great time, learned a lot about myself. But the fact that I was not allowed to go on my fun trip because I committed to something else. First was a huge lesson that I carry with me. A lot of people do the easy and expedient thing. If something comes along, that's more fun or better. They just drop the first thing and go do the other thing. But here's the thing. If you were a little shady about why you're dropping the first thing and that person finds out your reputation is ruined forever, and I am not willing to risk that. So with that in mind, I know we only have maybe two or three minutes to the first break, but I do want to bring on my very first call in and Steve Gamlin is here. We got four minutes to the break. Steve, how are you? I'm doing great,
2: Brian. So honored to be here.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. I'm really glad that you are here. So tell us what it was like working on this project. I know you lost your dad about two or three years ago. Was this a therapeutic experience for you writing about this?
2: It definitely was. You know, it's funny because the story that my chapter shares is actually something that happened five days after he passed Mm. Uh, because at the time I was building my brand-new recording studio, which at the time I was 50, and uh, it was the very first carpentry project I'd done in my life without him. And it, it became very therapeutic then and more so now because I realized that the lesson I shared in my chapter of the book I've been reliving over and over this past three years based on something he used to say to me when we were doing projects together.
1: Wow. That's absolutely amazing. And I know that your dad had such a huge impact on you. You, do you find that when you are working on construction projects, you imagine him over your shoulder guiding you?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I still listen to the same music that we always listen to. I'm still using all the tools we used my entire life. Those were all given to me. And I'm actually still using scraps of lumber that he and I built projects with together, including his old gigantic workstation, workbench from his basement. I cut it into enough lumber to build three individual workbenches here at my house. So all the scars, the paint spots, the holes, the burns, the cuts, the the pencil scribbles with measurements. I mean, his handwriting is still on these. So every time I'm working on something, I just start talking with him, especially when I'm looking for a tool, either here or in his old workshop. And I just look up and go, all right, bud where'd you leave it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and I mean, I've documented 14 things already that I have found after sometimes an exhaustive search and I just go, all right, bud, where'd you leave it? And then I find it. Wow.
1: That is absolutely fantastic. I, I love that. And I know that when you write your articles for success profiles magazine, a lot of your stories are about you and your dad and you are compiling your articles into a book, aren't you?
2: I am, yeah. Look for that sometime in 2022 with a little help from my friend Brian K. Wright.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, there's a lesson right there. If you are thinking about writing your own book, you just need to look at some of the content you have already created. If you are writing on a specific topic or if you are contributing to a specific publication or group of publications around the same general idea – maybe that's the basis for a book. When I interviewed Jeffrey Gittimer on my show several years ago, I asked him, what was the reason you wrote your book? How did you get started doing that? Did you think about writing a book? He goes, no, I just started a blog about all the stupid things that salespeople do. And a hundred blog entries later, he had a book. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's really fantastic. So t- just, in and in we've got maybe a minute and a half to the break, just give us, you know, in a in a minute or so in a, maybe a couple of sentences. Or so what do you do and how can we find you?
2: I am a professional speaker. I work in the positivity and humor category with a big emphasis on visualization and vision boards, taking the arts and crafts mindset right out of it, going hardcore with people to identify who they are, where they want to go, why they want to go there, and an action plan to get there. So anybody who is interested in learning a bit more, especially with this new year upon us at the time of the show, you can go to MotivationalFirewood.com.
1: That's fantastic. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being here and sharing your dad's story. We will talk again really soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. All right. And with that, we will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. We are talking about my new book, The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad, along with some of the people who were part of the book with me. We will be right back after the break. Stay tuned.
0: The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio.
3: Matters of the heart have baffled humans since the dawn of time. You just can't live or love without it. Weighing in at about 10 ounces, this blood-filled muscle has become the universal symbol for love. Over the course of one day, your heart will beat over 100,000 times, shuttling 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. Believe it or not, your mood can affect your heart health. One good cackination a day relaxes the lining in the blood vessel walls and increases good blood flow. A cackination is a laugh attack. But too much laughter might be a bad thing for some people. There have been enough documented cases of laughter inducing a coma that there is a medical term for it. It's called Lock, and it's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word.
1: Have you ever thought about writing a book? We are back. This is Success Profiles Radio, and I don't have a guest this week. This is a solo show, and I have people calling in who have been a part of my new book, which is called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad. It is available on Amazon. The official launch is going to be uh, in a couple of days. Uh, We had a a little bit of a technical glitch with the categories that got picked, and we want to hit number one on Amazon in our categories and when you have a very very broad category you can't make it to number one so we're getting those fixed and i'm just waiting for amazon to update itself and hopefully in about two days or so from now we could do the official launch but you can go ahead and buy it now if you really want to in fact i got my copy uh, on Friday, and it arrived literally 15 minutes before the show started. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I do have another caller in, and Brian McKittrick, you've been on the show before. You were a guest of mine a few months ago, and you were part of
4: yeah. this
5: book. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I actually, uh, not,
1: not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was on your podcast a few hours ago earlier today, so this was really nice.
5: Yep. Yeah, and that's going to
1: come out to coincide
5: with the launch, too, Thursday
1: morning. Absolutely. So let me ask you, Brian, what was it like working on this project with with me, and and how therapeutic of an experience was this for you to write this chapter about your dad?
5: Uh, Well, I I lost my dad in 2005. I was 25 years old. It was complete out of the blue. Uh, My parents did break up when I was uh, 14, and I was always much closer to my father. I actually moved in with him when they divorced and my brothers went and lived with my mom. Uh, So I spent, you know, a lot of time with my dad, even after, um, you know, I got out on my own at 19 and 20 years old. uh, We had this cadence where we would talk nearly daily. I remember moving to, uh, from Dallas, where I grew up. Uh, I grew up in Dallas, Fort Worth, and I moved from Dallas to Tulsa to take a job. And from, that was late 03, and pretty much we talked... Multiple times a week, uh from December of '03 up until when he passed in July of '05. So it was a wow. regular cadence for It was actually interesting. He actually passed away on, on exactly on his birthday. He was exactly 55 years old when he passed away. Oh my goodness! Yeah, wow. I went to call him on his birthday. I, it was in the evening. I was at the I was managing the Best Buy store, and uh that the evening I hadn't called him yet, and I got mm-hmm. a text from my brother, and my brother couldn't yeah. even talk. And he used to just said call my uncle. So, but wow. um, uh, you know, I had come to terms with it. So um, for me, it wasn't really untapping um, any emotional pain per se. I was just trying to find the topic and thing I want to I want to express. It was really more about um, expressing something about my dad to my son, who's eight years old, so he's never met my father. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow. And my daughter so did only. I saw him a couple of times because she he passed away just and she was just about a year just over a year. Oh wow. What, was that? what do you think mm-hmm. what do you, what do we think were your was your big takeaway as you
1: reflect back on your dad's life? Um I,
5: my dad did um my, my contribution into the book, and this is what I talk about, um or talking about that at his eulogy, my dad did the 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 family choice. Uh mm-hmm. he was an entrepreneur for a brief period of time when it was just me. I'm the oldest of three boys, so it was just me, my mom, and him. And when my second, when my brother was born and then my other brother after that, uh, he always did with the, you know, the family choice of, okay, I'm going to get a good job with a good company and be a steady thing. Uh, he just kept a steady, you know, steady workflow, always doing the right thing, you know, to get boys, you know, three boys out on their own. And he always supported us regardless of what we did, he was very, very encouraging, uh encouraging person with family, and especially us. Um on the da- on the, the opposite side of that, once we were all were out, uh then everything became this why well, I'm going to do this when? I'm going to do this. You know, he uh-huh. had this project and these ideas and things that he wanted to do. And as always this, okay, well, the boys are out. Now that they're out, I'm gonna you know, I'll I'll retire, then I'll have all these things. He always talked about plans he was going to do in the future and um, I think what he was in his mind is, OK, I'm going to make sure that everybody is taken care of and he'll help do what he needs to do or do what he wants to do. I should say last. Uh, the only downside is he at 55 all of a sudden passed. He wasn't sick, didn't have any long term illness. He just passed one day. So those things that envisions and dreams that he had, he didn't actually fulfill.
1: Okay. Wow. That's that's really incredible. So, as you reflect upon your dad as a parent, mm-hmm. how has that impacted you as a parent?
5: Well, the, um, our home because it was a broken home. Um, you know, I, I didn't feel like we were very close. I'm close to my brothers in terms of we get along really well. We don't see each other too frequently. But uh, we get along very well and have a lot of positive, uh, fun interactions. But in the home itself, there wasn't a lot of expressing of love, wasn't a lot of affection. And occasionally, my dad would say something, or occasionally my mom would say something, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't you know a routine daily thing. So in our home, with me and my wife and Mason, we are always hugging, a lot of affection. Uh, yeah. We do, you know, my my, my son, he's. He's been doing it for as long as I can remember, um, always tells us that he loves us multiple times a day, Uh, in the morning, in the afternoon, when he sees us, even just, you know, watching TV, he would just come up and, you know, come up and hug and say, you know, say, Dad, I love you, Mom, I love you. So there's there's a lot more affection in the home that we want to express. We didn't, my wife and I didn't really grow up with that. Wow. Wow.
6: That's
1: a beautiful, beautiful experience. So let me ask you, Brian, tell us a little bit about what you do and okay. where, where we can find you before we wrap this up and take our next caller.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, an insurance agent, insurance broker and sales trainer by trade. Uh, I just actually, contributing to the book, uh, what's it's pretty cool This would be my second book release this year. Uh, in August, I released my, my book, uh, the sales training book. It's called, It Ain't Rocket Surgery. Uh, You can find it in Amazon. You can also go to my supporting website, salesastronautacademy.com. You can get access to my podcast and the book there.
1: Fantastic. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate you in so many ways. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right. You're so welcome. And our next caller is Owen Brown. Owen, are you here? I am. Owen, how are you today?
6: I'm doing great, Brian. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing fantastic. I don't know if you heard me say or saw on Facebook, but I ordered my author copy from Amazon on Friday, and I received it just a few minutes before the show started. The book looks amazing.
4: Oh, good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, to getting mine. So,
1: Yep. You bet. You bet. So let me ask you, Owen, what was it like working on this project, and how therapeutic of an experience was this for you? How did this impact you?
4: So you're going to make me cry. <laughs> oh. okay. Uh, you know what? It, it was it was interesting because I agreed to do it. Uh, I believe it's the beginning of August, somewhere out there. And, yep. you know, I started working on it. Um, midway through August, my dad got sick, uh, went in the hospital, and he passed in uh, the beginning of September. So it, it really changed. The focus on, on how I looked at it. Once he went in the hospital and we knew he wasn't going to survive, I basically went back and, and rewrote it. And, and you know what? It was, I would say it was very therapeutic, you know, because there's yeah. so many lessons that I learned. And, and to pick the one that was probably the most important to me was yeah. was, it was, you know, I like to think that he would have been proud of it as well, you know? So it was, it was good.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Tell us a little bit about what your chapter was about.
4: Uh, my chapter was about how I, I take a lot of risks in what I do for a living and how that was in a direct correlation to my dad, who was a minister, talking about how God he expects God to provide, not people. And and God will use people, God will use whoever, but he wasn't dependent on other people. He was dependent on God and, and how that framed my thinking to not be afraid to take risks. You know, and then and, and uh you know, now there's also learning that you go where some risks you need to get wise about too. So <laughs> I didn't have enough time to go into all those ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I certainly get it. And what did your dad do for a career?
4: My dad, when I was born, he was a welder. And then uh, I think I touched on this in the book, too. When I was just a month after I turned four, he ran over and killed my youngest brother. And so at that point, it was a pivotal change for him. And he became a pastor to try and help others. And and, uh, um, so from that point on, from the time I was basically five years old, he became a minister. A minister? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. I I do remember that part. So, yeah. So, I mean, when you're, when you're a minister, you're not really making a lot of money so that there, there were some money issues in your household, weren't there?
4: <laughs> yeah, there were, there were a lot of money issues over the years. And then, you know what, it, uh, it created a lot of conflict for, for me for many, many years in, you know, cause it, uh, it caused a lot of bitterness through the years. Yeah. And, and and you know, it, it is what it is, and you understand mm-hmm. I understood no, when I hit 40 and went through some stuff why how much the trauma of, of leaving my brother mm-hmm. uh, impacted the family
1: so. right, right so you decided that you were going to break the poverty cycle in your family, so you you're doing real estate investing and all kinds of things. you're doing some big things in the world, aren't you?
4: <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying, so, yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, I do, we're the state and business investing so we're we're in both, we'll, we'll buy businesses, and, you know, I do, I, I do believe I have a talent base that is not, but it's taken me many years to understand that we're not, not everyone's meant to be poor. God has, uh, you know, some of us are meant to to be well off, not for greedy purposes, but to help right. others.
1: Absolutely. So we've got less than a minute to our break. Tell us a little bit about how we can find you and how we can connect with you. And we'll go to the break right after that.
4: Sure. Appreciate it. My main uh, probably way to contact me is is we have a a sharpshooter group is my company. Sharpshootergroup.com is is one of my main umbrella companies out of Canada. Um, I've got a couple coming in the U.S., but they're not set up yet. So uh, they can... If people want to contact me on, on real estate business stuff, they can contact me through there, or I'm on Facebook, Owen D W Brown, or on – I just had to uh, – Twitter is at Owen Brown, and uh, I just had to get a new Facebook profile, so I can't uh, remember what that is. So.
1: <laughs> okay. Sounds, good. Sounds so. great. Well, thank you for being here, Owen, and we are going to our break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back. We'll return shortly.
0: Thank you. Is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? This is the TogiNet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. If
1: you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy, and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at PhoneSites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's PhoneSites.com forward slash Brian.
0: And we're back. This is Success
1: Profiles Radio, and I do not have a guest this week. I am doing this show by myself along with some of the people who contributed to my brand new book called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad. I shared some of my greatest lessons, and I invited a bunch of people to contribute with me. There were 28 other people who are in this book with me. And if you have not subscribed to Success Profiles Radio, please do so. Leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. I would love and appreciate that so much very much. My next caller is Mark Ritthaler. How are you, Mark?
7: I'm wonderful, Brian. How are you today?
1: I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Uh, my dear friend. I'm so happy that you were part of this project with me. So tell us a little bit about how working on this project was impactful for you.
7: Well, I think it was most impactful for me because as a son, we all want to do our dad justice and make them proud of us and how we live our lives. And what better way to make your dad proud of you than to write a story about a lesson that you've learned that you hold near and dear to your heart enough that you want other people to know about it. And I think that was the most impactful thing. And the more I hear about other dad lessons, uh, it just goes to show how impactful dads really are on our lives.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. How therapeutic was it for you to do this? Did you learn something new about yourself in the process?
7: You know, it was therapeutic for me in the sense that, uh, my dad is still around, even though he's had heart failure at 40 and Mm -hmm. he's gone through a lot of trials and tribulations in his life. Uh, it was very personal for me to be able to, uh, write about him with him still being here and uh to me it made it kind of surreal because you know you, your dad's not going to be with you forever and the times that you uh uh forget about you really don't take for granted as much as you should and so writing this reminded me basically how amazing my dad was um even though My parents got divorced at two, and so I really didn't even see my dad again until I was 10. And things like that don't even dawn on you at the time until you're really thinking about the past.
1: Yeah. Did you find that you kept it real in the sense that you were writing this book just to share what you're going to share? Or did you find that you were censoring yourself a little bit because you knew that he might read it?
7: Uh, You know what? I kept it 100% real, Um, And it's crazy because as I read other stories um, about, you know, what the dads had been through in their lives, none of that really crossed my mind um, when writing this. It was literally what was the best lesson that I thought he taught me. And uh, it really just flowed right from the heart um, very quickly.
1: I love that. That's absolutely amazing. So tell me a little bit about what you do. You have a very interesting mission, and I love it in every way. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what impact you're making in the world.
7: Well, I uh, was a union carpenter for over 15 years, and that's when I worked with my dad side by side. And even before that, I uh, remodeled homes and uh, commercial buildings. But um, when my dad retired, that's really when things got real. He moved to Arizona and I started my own company called Man Mark X now. And I build, fix and maintain homes and businesses in the Antelope Valley. And uh, as I get older, I realize I can't beat my body forever. And so I started Ordinary Everyday Prepper because I believe we're all Uh, in a way, ordinary everyday preppers. We all wake up in the morning and have a certain routine. And so I made it my mission to make sure that you can go about your routine even on those bad days where, you know, services and things like that might not be available.
1: Yeah, I love and appreciate that. How can we find out more about you and your mission? How can we connect with you, Mark?
7: Uh, You can go to ordinaryeverydayprepper.com And you can read about my mission. You can see some pictures, some products. But more importantly, it has all the contact information on how to contact me to see how I can customize um, a kit or an idea for your life because we all live a different uh, set of goals and rules and routines. And so everybody's Mm -hmm. uh, kits and needs are a little different.
1: Absolutely. Do you find yourself working with – private citizens more, or do you find yourself working in the corporate world with some of this too?
7: Um, you know, it was private citizens, but now I'm branching out into the community and teaching classes at school. In fact, we're about to do Pedro, the preparedness penguin in cooperation with FEMA and the Red Cross. So I'm wow. excited about that to get it in the grade schools because the kids are the ones that uh, are going to grow up needing to be a little bit more prepared for ordinary everyday life.
1: I love that. I remember when I was in grade school, we had a fire drill. I mean, it was one of the, I think it was the first fire drill I think I had ever experienced. And I went home that day and said to mom and dad, we need to pretend to have a fire drill so we can figure out the quickest way to get out of the house.
7: (laughs) That's absolutely right. In fact, it's EDITH, which is short for exit drills inside the home. And uh, yeah, that's definitely something you want to practice with your family because at the end of the day, they are the most important people.
1: They are. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the air with me today. I was really glad to see you here.
7: Thank you so much for having me, Brian. And uh, I appreciate the collaboration on the book and good luck with all the other dad lessons today.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. My bye next bye, caller, now. my next caller is Mattis Whetstone. Mattis, how are you today?
6: Hi, uh, Brian. Uh, how you are you? Thank you for having me on.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. So tell us, what it was like working on this project.
6: It, it was actually a healing experience for me because as a child, uh, me and my father didn't always see eye to eye. And, you know, from my perspective, he was really hard on me. And there were things that uh, I, I felt that well, wasn't just that he he expressed to me. But uh, as a child, we have perception that uh, may not be the same as when we grow older. And as an adult, I was able to work on my inner development and turn my whole perception around and see kind of how, from his point of view, things might not always be the best or the best decision in my mind, but maybe in his mind it was the right decision because and I, I'm a dad also, and um, we don't have a book to tell us exactly what to do. So from that point of view, it was able to, I was able to turn things around and you say, and said to myself, you know what? Instead of making myself, uh, you know, think the worst or think something that's not good, why don't I think about the best things that I've learned from my father?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely great. Do you find that as you review, your relationship with him, do you find that you are as much like you dad, as you thought that, that you thought you would be, or did you find that you were very, very different from him? How, how has, how has his life impacted yours in that way?
6: Um, well, I know through my whole life, I learned from my father that, uh, we have to do for ourselves. And if we don't get out and do something, then it won't get done. So I always saw him going to work and making a living and making money. So that that kind of aspect has uh, passed down to me. And I have a lot of, you know, uh, creativity and working with my hands. So that aspect... We are the same, but our personalities are completely different. I'm, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm an extrovert and Mm -hmm. I love to meet people. I love to help people and I love to get out and, uh, you know, to just help everybody in the world. And in his aspect, he just wanted to stay as a homebody and just in his own world.
1: Wonderful. I really appreciate that. So, Mattis, tell us a little bit about what you do in the world, how you're impacting the world, and how can we find you?
6: Um, well, I, uh, I'm in social retail now. I'm an online entrepreneur, and I help people uh, build their brand, and I show them how to do attraction marketing. Mm -hmm. and how they are the brand and not their products or anything because it's all about relationship. And then I help people uh, start their own business. I have an opportunity where they can start their own business also online. And you can find me on Facebook at Marius Whetstone. And I have a uh, website also. It's uh, mariuswetstone.com.
1: I love it. Thank you, Mattis, for being here. I really appreciate your contribution, and thank you so much for being in my life. You're awesome.
6: Hey, Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you also. You've helped me out a lot.
1: Oh, wonderful. I appreciate that. Okay. We've got two minutes for next break. I would love to share a very quick story and we'll have another caller come on after the break, but I'll tell you what, there was a story in, in my book that I, I think, uh, knocks me over once, once I really start thinking about it, I had to learn to become very uncomfortable. And when, when you are growing up, a lot of things make you uncomfortable because your dad wants you to grow. And so when we moved out to the country, I joined 4-H. My dad has a farming and agriculture background and we lived in a small town. So it was a very agricultural centered community and we moved out to the country and I joined 4-H and I raised cattle. I had never been near a cow. You know, I mean, my grandparents had a farm, so I would see the cows and I would see the pigs, but we raised cattle. And the first time that I had a calf as a project. I think I bought four calves that first year. I had to borrow $2,000 from the bank when I was in junior high. My dad co signed for the loan. He was good for it. But the idea of borrowing money was very new to me. And the idea of having that much money in my bank account as a 13 year old was a little scary to me. But, you know, I was in charge of raising the calf, I was in charge of feeding, buying grain, buying hay. Uh, all the things and sold them for a profit. And what I ended up doing is paying for three semesters of college because of my 4-H projects. So it was a very valuable lesson. That was my first foray into being an entrepreneur, having my own business. And so I do thank my dad for giving me that experience. We will come back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please, Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back after the break.
0: If you are in
1: business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy, and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at PhoneSites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's PhoneSites.com forward slash Brian.
0: And we are back. This is Success Profiles
1: Radio. I don't have a guest this week. I'm doing this show solo, but I've got some people calling in. And in case you are just tuning in, my brand new book is called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad. The official launch is happening later this week, but it is on Amazon right now. I received my copy that I ordered on Friday today, and it's Amazing. I just cannot wait for you all to read this. So please get that and write a review on Amazon. It's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My, ba- my Dad by Brian K. Wright. And everyone who is uh, in the book, their names appear on the back cover. So everyone will have credit. So that's fantastic. I have another one of my authors on the line with me, Derek Dupuy. How are you?
8: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I'm very grateful for you.
8: Absolutely. I'm, I'm grateful you included me.
1: Uh, you're so very welcome. So tell us what it was like working on this.
6: You know, it was,
8: uh, it was pretty special, actually. I, you know, I never really had a huge interest, even as a child, for reading books or, you know, just to give you a little run, the last book I read prior to this year was Indian in the cupboard in the sixth grade so mm. it was it wasn't something that never jumped out at me but the more i thought about it you know this year i've, I've read 14 books wow. and you know i just i thought it was absolutely awesome and i was like yeah you know what? that's something i really like to do so when you asked i jumped at the chance
1: Wow. That's fantastic. I love that. So tell us, um, tell us a little bit about your, your relationship with your dad. You, you are a hunter. That was, that was part of your childhood, wasn't it?
8: Yes. Yeah. So growing up, my old man, he, uh, he was a mill worker mechanic. Um, very, very calloused, tough guy. Right. Um, and he worked a lot of ship work, so he wasn't around all the time. He was he was just always at work. And on top of that, he would, um, he worked at little league field as a maintenance guy. So he would take care of all the grounds for the little league. And so he wasn't around even, you know, after work, stop by to eat and be gone again. Um, so, you know, there wasn't much time for me, um, uh, mm-hmm. but we had hunting. We always had hunting. That was always our, our common ground. Yeah. And so, a lot
1: of things I learned I learned through hunting Wow I love that that's really great I I do not have a hunting background my dad did have a gun um, I mean if there were critters that came onto our land that didn't belong he was not afraid to shoot a gun once in a great while <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but I don't recall him ever hunting for the sake of hunting I know some of my friends like yourself do enjoy that and that's that's really fantastic what do you think was the greatest thing you learned from
8: him? So what I wrote in the book, um, it was probably one of the biggest lessons. Um, it, it was about the first time he took me deer hunting. I'd been bird hunting and squirrel hunting and things like that with him, where I was always like the bird dog, right? I'd always go, they'd shoot the birds. I'd go get them or mm-hmm. they'd shoot a squirrel. I'd go find it or, you know, I'd carry the stuff. Um, it wasn't until I was 10 years old until he allowed me to go hunting with him. And so I remember the car ride down there. He said, you know, I was, I was extremely excited. the whole I barely slept that night. I probably slept two hours. And he said, you know, I just want you to know, I know you're really excited, and that's great. He said, but just remember, you don't always see deer. It's not, you know, it's never a guarantee, and you have to be patient. And so... If today doesn't go like you're you're expecting it, don't be no. Don't get down about it. I said, all mm-hmm. right. Oh, but i in my mind, I'm like, yeah, right, okay. I'm going to kill. You <laughs> in mm-hmm. my mind, I, I'm I'm going after it, right? And uh, I'm going to show him. So yeah. we walk in, and it seemed like we walked miles in the dark. Mm. And we finally get there. We were hunting a, a, a fairly large. Piece of public ground. And um, it was managed by the state. So we get to where we were going, and he had already had a tree stand up in the tree. And so I climbed up, and he had another one set up about 40 yards away. Wow. And it started breaking daylight. And hearing something behind me, I turn and look, and I see this buck coming through the woods, coming through this real thick. A brush, and that's kind of the direction he came from my dad. Apparently, my dad didn't see him. So when the deer started walking up, I look over, to see my dad. If he had seen or what, he he didn't pay attention. So I grabbed the gun and stopped, and I fired a shot, and deer ran off, and smoke cleared. A few minutes later, dad got down and walked over. he Said, "What what was that? What did you do?" I go, "What? A buck came in, and I, I shot him." He said all right, we'll get down. Let's see if we can find some blood. Tell me where he was. So we walk over and there was no blood. Yeah. And there was no hair. There was nothing. So I'm, you know, I was getting a little bummed and he's like, you know, if it's the deer I saw after you shot, you know, he didn't look hurt. He may have missed. So I started looking Mm. a little harder and I noticed that the bullet was pretty high in the tree. So I, I missed the deer by a mile. I think, you know, I I just got so worked up and adrenaline and I, I missed. Yeah. Is Um,
1: that called, is that called deer fever?
8: Buck fever. Yeah.
1: Buck fever. Yep. Yeah.
8: Yep. So wow. I got a pretty bad shaking, you know, heavy breathing, trying to control myself to stay calm. But yeah. So, That's... yeah, you know, I was really bummed out. We finished hunting the day and I didn't see anything else the rest of the day. And we get back to the car and we're driving home and he could tell I was pretty discouraged. I hadn't said much. And he said, you know, He said, there's a lesson here, He said, and it seems like such a big problem at the moment because when you went to shoot, you said you were shaking real bad, you were having a hard time breathing, you know, he said, you know, one way to curb that, he said, is when we get home, we're going to, we'll go shoot and we'll work on it. He said, but you have to build a process for handling this because if you can control your breathing, then you could control a lot of different things. He said, so we're going to do a step-by-step process. Mm-hmm. And then you'll just work on it. Every time you shoot, you'll run through the checklist of everything that you need to do to make sure that, okay, that's done. That's done. Okay. My breath breathing steady. Okay. The sights are aligned. Okay. They're, they're where they need to be. Okay. My trigger finger is squeezing gently, not jerking. Okay. Squeeze. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, it really relates to a lot of things in life because, We get so buried in big problems or things that we see as big problems when they arise, when in reality, it's a bunch of small things compounded that when we take the time to look at them, we can break them down and work through each aspect to then overcome that big problem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Derek, let me ask uh, real briefly before we wrap up, tell us a little bit about what you do and how we can find you.
8: Sure. My name is uh, Derek Pew. Like you stated, and I own the Mountain Hunter Box, which is a subscription box for hunters. Um, the monthly box goes out each month, and I started about three years ago. I'm a full time police officer. I've sustained some injuries, so you know I'm leaning more towards devoting more time to my e commerce business. Um, and you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Derek Depew. Um, I believe the Instagram is Derek Depew, MHB for Mountain Hunter Box.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Derek, thank you so much for being here. It was an honor to have you working on this book with me, and thank you for calling in.
8: Absolutely. Thank you, Brian.
1: I appreciate it. You're so welcome. I want to share one more story, and then I have a surprise for you all at the end. One of the lessons that I learned from my dad is that I learned to encourage, have my imagination encouraged. And it wasn't necessarily a lesson that he was really necessarily trying to teach me, but I had a situation which caused me to think really, really big when I was a kid. My family and I went to a Minnesota Twins baseball game when I was little, and I was eating one of those frosty malts that you eat with a wooden spoon way back in the day. So I was eating my ice cream, And as my tongue was rolling around in my mouth, I felt something wasn't quite right. And then when I looked down to my ice cream, I screamed. And dad said, what's wrong? And I looked down and I saw a tooth. I said, what is that? And dad says, it looks like you lost a tooth. Oh, no. And then he said, you're going to lose all your baby teeth someday. No, (laughs) but your adult teeth will grow in their place. Oh, well, what do I do with this? Then he told me about the tooth fairy, about how you put the tooth under your pillow and you get a quarter. In the morning. And I thought, wait, I get paid? This is awesome. So I thought, I'll try this. So we got home that night. And I put the tooth under my pillow. And sure enough, there was a quarter under my pillow. When I woke up the next morning, I thought that was really cool. And this happened several more times because I had to lose all of my baby teeth. But one time when this happened, I decided I am going to catch the tooth fairy. So I started scheming ways that I could catch the tooth fairy. So I decided I was going to hold the tooth in my hand all night long instead of having it under my pillow. And when I woke up the next morning, there was no quarter. I said, Daddy, why did the tooth fairy not leave a quarter? Well, didn't you leave it under the pillow? No. Well, you have to do that. It doesn't work like this. You have to leave the tooth under your pillow. Because if you don't, then the tooth fairy will just go to the next house. So by that explanation, I thought, oh, this must be a Santa Claus thing. So I put my tooth under my pillow, and sure enough, it was just fine. After that, I got my my quarter. And as we wrap up the show, I want to share something very, very important, and this is my big surprise. Just a few days ago, as I was taking a walk, I realized the best way that I could really honor my dad was to include a letter to him at the end of this book. I resisted it at first, but then I realized if I am resisting it, then I must do it. So I want to close the show by reading the letter to my dad that I wrote. Dear Dad, on the day I'm writing this, you've been gone for over eight months. Not a day goes by that I don't think about you. Even though you're physically gone, I know you were with me in spirit. Mom and I are very grateful that you organized everything so that things were easy to find. The outpouring of love we got during your visitation and funeral was overwhelming. You were and still are deeply loved and highly appreciated. Our friends and family have been very helpful during this time. In fact, David has been a massive help. He flew down to Fort Myers to help us drive the RV home from Florida. He's been available for everything mom needed. He even helped mom sell some of the farm equipment and I call her twice a day to make sure she's doing fine. We talk about you often and miss you very much. And now that you're gone, I realize that I am more like you than I ever thought I would be. I'm far less willing to put up with other people's drama. I only give my time and energy to people who are going where I want to go. And I don't put up with people who respect me and I stand up for myself. A lot more. While we had our differences, I'm so happy and grateful that we ended well. I never thought that saying goodbye at the Des Moines airport after last Christmas would be the last time I see you alive. Christmas is going to be really hard this year. Mom said she will still hang your stocking by the fireplace along with ours. This will be would be your year to come to Arizona, but mom will not be traveling, not without you. With that, I hope this book honors your memory the way that I intended it to. Thank you for joining us. This has been Success Profiles Radio, the greatest lessons I've learned from my dad. Get on Amazon right
2: now.
0: We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, BrianKWright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.